We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Pack-A-Day Podcast. You can get all your Pack-A-Day updates by following us on Twitter at Pack-A-Day Podcast. And remember, you can always subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, or Spotify. And, of course, you can check us out over at CheeseheadTV.com. I am Kyle Fellows, and I am here with my co-host, Andrew Mertig. What's up, Andrew? It's good to be back for another Friday show. Yeah, it's good to be back for you because you yeah. were gone last week, and so I was here auditioning replacements uh, for your spot. And alas, <laughs> I have made the very difficult decision to allow you back on the show. So, um, in all seriousness, a, a very big congratulations due to the fellows family. Um, and I figured because you made it Twitter official earlier this week that that I could say congratulations in a public forum. Yeah, thanks, Andrew. Uh, frankly, I was surprised when you asked me to come back, but here we are. It's another Friday. We're just falling back into our regular routine. And yes, we did welcome our second son into the world last week. Me and my wife, not me and you, just so all of the listeners are clear. Thank um, you. But <laughs> Andrew uh, graciously did not ask me to record the pod last week from the hospital room, which my wife was very appreciative of. So uh, let me tell you, this kid already appreci- uh, he appreciates the game of football. He arrived just in time for that Thursday night football game, the opener, and slept peacefully, I will say, 
to the sweet, sweet lullabies of Clyde Edwards-Alaire tearing up that Houston Texans defense, which was extra beautiful to my fantasy football team. So uh, life here is good, and it's been fun. Just running on a little less sleep than normal, but feeling pretty blessed as well. Yeah, and ushered into the world. Uh, we had real football on Sunday, and the Packers go 1-0. and uh, My dog, Lambo is also officially 1-0 and in his lifetime uh, for Packers records. So uh, let's keep this going. We have a perfect 19-0 and season, and, um, you know, all of the momentum seems to be moving forward. But the Packers did look real good on Sunday, and, and sure, there are things to be cleaned up, but... There's reason for a lot of optimism about where this team can go. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Optimism is the word of the week. Football being back is quite enough, I think. That's a pretty good start. But uh, starting the season by defeating the Vikings in pretty convincing fashion in U.S. Bank Stadium was a heck of a way to start the season, if you're asking me. And I think all Packers fans are hoping just to keep things rolling this week as we begin week two with that matchup with Detroit. And today, and I will say most Fridays, honestly, our task is going to be to talk about some of the key matchups in the upcoming game for the coming weekend. We want to talk about those matchups because not only will they play a key role in the outcome of the game, but it makes the game a little bit more interesting if you have a feel for why the game is going the way that it is. So uh, we're going to kick this show off today with our top matchups to watch in this Packers-Lions game this weekend, and then we'll wrap things up at the end of the show with some X-Factor players who might kind of come out of nowhere to have a big impact this weekend. So uh, you want to stick around for that at the end of the show. But Andrew, let's talk some key matchups today. Sure. So I'm going to go with the Packers offensive line versus the Lions front seven. And and yeah, I picked a matchup that makes up literally half the players on the field. But so what, Kyle? Football isn't won <laughs> strictly by your fancy skill players, no matter how much you try to push your agenda on us. Line play matters. Hashtag line play, mat- line play matters, Kyle. I, but seriously, are you, you throwing shade react. on me? Is that an Aaron Jones reference? Is that what that's about? It's not. I just like to pick on you for things okay. you've never said. See if okay. you take accountability <laughs> for them. But see, uh, like for real, John Runyon Jr. played great. Rick Wagner was really solid. I, I have some faith in them, but I'm not sure if the type of performance is repeatable. So the Lions had two standout defenders on Sunday, if you believe in pro football focus. You have Trey Flowers and Deshaun Hand. Those guys are typically pretty tough to block, so that's not a big surprise. Danny Shelton was solid in the middle of the line, um, although I will admit, you and I were talking about this before the podcast started, that his pass rush grade actually far exceeded his run run uh, stopping grade, which is really weird for a player like Danny Shelton. So Shelton and Hand could really affect your ability to run up the middle, in theory. Uh, Reggie Raglan and Christian Jones were fine from the linebacking cores, but the rest of your defense ranged somewhere between mediocre and bad. And here's where I go off on a tangent and why I'm not really as worried about playing against good defensive lines and, and why I think there might even be a little bit of optimism out there about being able to overcome a team like the 49ers. As an O-line, there are one of... Two blocking techniques in the NFL. You either try to force the defender where you want them to go to open up holes. Typically, that works really well when you have the big maulers, the you know strong offensive linemen, and running backs who need forward momentum, like, let's say, Derrick Henry. Or you let the defender go where they're trying to, use their momentum against them, and let the running back find the hole. So usually, you know, you talk about zone blocking schemes and, and shift your running backs. 
I think we are seeing the Packers deploy a little bit more of the former than they are than they traditionally did in the past. Um, so those mauling running lanes where where you're just gonna like force open a hole, but. When you put someone in jet motion, the goal is to make them cover the field horizontally in addition to vertically. So now, let's say you're a defensive lineman and you, you see Tyler Irvin coming in motion before the play. And you play to the outside shoulder of the guard. So I'm an interior defense lineman. I'm playing the outside shoulder of the guard because Tyler Irvin is coming in my direction on the line. They, the the scheme either dictates that you let him go there and as an offensive lineman, you let me get to the spot that I want to on the field. And there's now a huge running lane where I was supposed to be, or the play is going to be run in the opposite direction if it is power. So let's say they bring Tyler Irvin. I move to the outside shoulder and suddenly they're running power AJ Dillon to the opposite side of the field. And I'm super out of position. That is a massive advantage for all offensive linemen, but especially guys who are newer in the league, like a John Runyon Jr. You know, you watch the Chiefs play, and the summation is that it is impossible to defend everything that they can bring because you can only take away certain parts of the field. And then they go out and they add, you mentioned Clyde Edwards-Alaire, and suddenly they have even more weapons, and you can stretch us in every single way. 11 guys cannot cover the entirety of the field. And I think the Packers' offense is headed in the right direction with that philosophy, although obviously there's a, a talent gap between the Packers and the Chiefs on offense right now, but the same principles are going to be able to open up different running lanes and give them big advantages against defenses. I think the Packers have to control the line of scrimmage when against the Lions, period. And it's really weird to say this. I mentioned this last week on um, the, the locker room app. Uh, I was on with Andy last Thursday and it's, it's almost bizarre to say that I expect the Packers to dominate the line of scrimmage because traditionally that hasn't really been the case in a lot of a lot of instances. But I think they will do just that against Detroit's front seven. Yeah, so the offensive line certainly was a concern entering week one versus the Vikings. And they did a phenomenal job all around, really, especially considering all the injuries and the moving pieces and kind of the patchwork that they put together throughout the game. And, of course, losing Lane Taylor is a huge blow to the depth of this line. But you hate it even more for a guy like Taylor, who was really in line for a great bounce-back season. just hate that for him. But uh, Andrew has voiced his confidence in this group, and uh, we'll hope to see another outstanding performance this week against the Lions. I think there's a lot of optimism that that happens. Uh, but my offensive matchup to watch is kind of low-hanging fruit here. And we're not above low-hanging fruit as long as we're right, right, Andrew? Absolutely. That is our brand. And I selfishly stole this talking point because I got to the show outline, honestly, before Andrew did. I'm not sure he would have talked about it if I hadn't. But the elephant in the room has to be the matchup between the Packers receivers and the Lions corners in this game. The Lions cornerback group was one that they completely overhauled this offseason. First, they traded Darius Slay to the Eagles. Then they signed an aging Desmond Trufant to kind of sort of take his place. And then they finally drafted Jeff Akuda out of Ohio State in the first round to be an ace in the secondary for this team now and in the future. So to me, the Lions probably felt pretty good about coming into the season with Akuda, Trufant, and just Justin Coleman, who's arguably one of the best nickels in the league. But that vision of a brand new corner group just 
has been kind of crumbling around them to start this season. Akuda was hurt and couldn't go week one. Uh, Trufant had a really rough first week and came up with a hamstring injury this week. And the Lions just placed Justin Coleman on IR. So it does appear that Akuda will get his first crack at starting a game this week against... Devontae Adams. Now, I know Akuda is super talented, but his lack of experience combined with coming off a hamstring injury of his own, with all that, it's just hard to imagine Devontae not having himself quite a week here against the rookie. And then even more interesting might be the cornerback depth. Trufant didn't practice Wednesday. I don't believe he practiced Thursday either, so we'll see if he's able to play. But we might be looking at Lazard and MVS with really favorable matchups against uh, Amani Aruwarie and Daryl Roberts. We saw just how well the offense was clicking last week against some of the young corners that the Vikings had out there. Rodgers with us absolutely on fire. And it really looks like the Lions beat up secondary might just be the ideal situation to see that kind of success continue into week two. So I'll be watching to see if the Packers intentionally exploit that Lions uh, group at corner just to see if they can get a little bit more going through the air there this week. And I, I guess I'm not even familiar enough with Matt Patricia's scheme to know if this is the case, but as a Bill Belichick disciple, I would expect that he probably has a lot of the same philosophies. And Bill Belichick is is famous for, instead of matching his number one corner up with your number one wide receiver, will send his number one corner at your number two wide receiver to take that away and then double the number one. Well, if we're talking about Devontae Adams against, you know, whoever that happens to be, if it's RUEA or, um, you know, even with some safety help, that, that's a nice matchup. And then you're you're matching MVS up against a, a young corner who is getting his first game action, who's a little dinged up, and and that may cause some problems as well. So as much as I love ooh Jeff Akuda coming in, <laughs> in as a rookie, I I think this is going to be a very difficult matchup because guess what the Packers receiving room, um as as much as the national media might like to slander it, it's a little bit better than Northwestern's. So <laughs> all right, a little so bit of a step up in his game. Yeah, I'd say a little bit. I've got one more little tidbit here that I thought was interesting. Daryl Roberts actually forced into some action last week. Had a pretty decent game. Daryl Roberts ran, I believe, a 4-3-6-40. So this is off the top of my head. Dude's fast, right? So if we see like an MVS in the slot, that's a pretty decent matchup that the Lions probably feel good about. At least in theory, the speed is there. If the Packers can get a player like MVS on a player like Aruorie on the outside. I think that is a really nice matchup that the Packers would really like. And so if, you know, we've seen a lot of the two wide receiver sets. Uh, I think that that's something to watch for. If you can see MVS kind of stealing some slot or some snaps rather from Lazard, if they can get some speed on the outside, we might see them be able to take advantage of that. But just one more little nugget for us there on the corners. Very nice. And and taking a, a little bit of change in direction, the key matchups for the defense, I'm going to talk about the Packers linebackers and safeties versus TJ Hawkinson. So this is a really, really talented off, uh, offensive unit for the Lions. In fact, I like their offense much better than the Vikings, and the Packers' defense struggled at times, especially to stop big plays against Minnesota. And the attention naturally goes to the running back depth chart. You have on Johnson, DeAndre Swift, and Adrian Peterson, or the wide receivers, Kenny Galladay, more on him later, uh, and Packer killer Marvin Jones Jr., 
Ooh, I don't like Martin Jones. <laughs> I actually think the Packers can commit enough resources to stop the run, and I do trust Jair and Kevin King to handle their own against uh, if it's Galladay and Jones um, or Jones and some other combination with some safety help. But that is a lot to concentrate on for 10 players on your defense, and, and that's going to leave some one-on-one coverage against Hawkinson. We we You and I, Kyle, obviously loved Hawk coming out of the draft. I I know we try not to talk about fantasy football during our show, but I bought absolutely every share of Hawkinson that I could. I just had a feeling that with his skill set, he was ready to break out in year two. And usually I talk about it taking three years for NFL tight ends to adjust. But he had a really strong performance against Chicago in week one. I'm curious to see how the Packers handle him. I'd advocate for Raven Green. Who knows if he's active or not? Maybe they utilize Christian Kirksey, who's shown a lot of things in coverage. Maybe it's a safety, but with with all the attention focused elsewhere, don't be surprised if TJ Hawkinson has a really big game on Sunday. Yeah, so we saw Noah Fant have his breakout game in week one there. Um, We'll hope the Packers have a game plan to keep Hawkinson from having a huge game against them in week two. You mentioned fantasy football, and you're right. We both loved Hawkinson coming out. Um, I actually bought a lot of shares of Noah Fant, so we both uh, took our turns getting a little bit of the Iowa tight ends. But um, I'm going to move on here to my defensive selection, which is the Packers' depth on the defensive line versus Frank Ragnow. We don't know exactly what the status is with Kenny Clark. The good news is it sounds like it's not a super long-term deal, uh, but there's certainly some uncertainty around his availability for this game. Um, Maybe the next couple of games is maybe seeming more realistic. And we all know how important Kenny Clark is and how big of a drop-off there is between him and the next guy on the defensive line, there's a reason that this guy just got paid millions and millions of dollars. So that said, I'm going to be watching the matchup between guys like Tyler Lancaster and Kingsley Kiki against Frank Ragnow, because Ragnow is one of the best centers in the league, and a battle with Clark would have been a really, really good one. It would have been a lot of fun to watch. I'm a little nervous about what I'm going to call the structural integrity of the defensive line with Clark not in this game, potentially. So that said, both Kiki and Lancaster earned pretty good marks from Pro Football Focus in their grades from week one. So I'll be watching to see if in those trenches we can see those guys hold up against Ragnow and the Lions' interior line, especially against the run in this one. Billy Wynn, who has recently signed the Packers practice squad, might be... Um, marked as somebody that they can put up on the active roster without occupying uh, one of those those spots on the 53 of the practice squad players that are able to go up and then and then come back down. So we may see Billy Wynn added into that defensive line rotation, which is really interesting considering it's been a little while since he's played an NFL snap. Yeah, absolutely. I think the Packers are going to be looking for all the help that they can get, and they're going to need that to replace someone like Kenny Clark and the caliber player that he is. We'll see if win is a factor in helping the Packers get a win on Sunday. All right, I'm going to move on. Um, for the good people at home, we're going to talk about some X factors. And we define an X factor player as someone that we might not, on the surface, expect to be a game changing kind of player on a week to week basis. But for whatever reason, um, one that we'll hopefully be able to explain or justify here in just a second, but no guarantees on that. Um, this is a player that we might overlook, but we're telling you not to, and that we feel these players will have a big impact on the game this week. So that's the X-Factors. Um, Andrew, who is your X-Factor player for the Packers this week? 
You know, I usually try to pick somebody that's a super sleeper, and we we had a stretch of games last year where one of us had picked somebody that ended up being inactive on game day for a few (laughs) weeks, so uh, I'm not going to go that deep this early in the season, but mine's actually Darnell Savage, and that's a weird pick for an X-Factor, but here's, here's my justification. This may actually not be a good X-Factor. I want him to be a really good safety in this league so bad. But quite frankly, I wasn't totally sure about his ability to be an impact player this year. And again, I talked about it with tight ends. With safeties, I also believe there's a three-year philosophy that players typically can't adjust to the uh, speed and the processing that you need as a safety until year three. And the reason is very similar. As a tight end, you're learning how to be really good in the run game. You're learning how to be really good in the pass game. As a safety, you're doing the same thing. You're constantly processing the defense. And then you have to try to um, be the last line of defense, which we saw Savage have a mistake against Adam Thielen that cost him a touchdown. And so he did not have a good start last week. Let's just say this. Pro Football Focus, for whatever this is worth, gave him a 38.5 grade for Sunday's performance. Is that bad? Uh, that is, let's say, not good. Um, that would rank toward the very bottom of the NFL. But if the Packers have any hope of slowing down a very good Detroit offense, they need excellent safety play. And, and Savage certainly has all the skills to be able to help over the top, whether that is against Galladay, um, but you know specifically against Jones Jr., maybe helping out with Hawkinson. Um, or dropping down in that slot role. Without that, the Packers are going to give up some big plays. And I I think the game could actually be in serious jeopardy. So I'm rooting for this to be a great X factor and a major reason Green Bay wins, but it could also go the other way. Andrew, you know what might help the Packers deal with Kenny Galladay this week, other than what you've mentioned? Uh, Jair. If if he didn't play in the game. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, well, yes, yes, you are very correct. I'm going to do my own uh, breaking news drop right here, okay? You ready for this? Do it. This is our technology limitations here. Breaking news. Should we stop the episode and just start over? That was really good. I, like, I could have <laughs> edited something in there for you that would have been really good, but you, I, I, I like All your right. voiceover work. It's no, very good. Bad. It's very okay. good. Okay. Breaking news. I, uh, I wish I would have been ready with a jingle. I didn't know you were yeah. going to do that. So Sorry. I, I could have. Doo, doo, doo. Should we we should pretend going. we have a pre-production meeting so that people think that we talk about this stuff ahead of time. But we don't. So We're um, going to think that we didn't edit this out on accident when, in fact, we never edit anything. <laughs> exactly. Uh, okay. So outside of that wonderful drop. There actually is something to talk about here. It is being reported by the Detroit Beat writers right now, as official as that is, that Kenny G may be a long shot to play this weekend. He missed practice again Thursday, and Andrew and I saw Galladay roast Kevin King on the opening play of the Lions game in Green Bay last year. And so you never root for injuries. You never do that. You know, these are guys, their career, their people. But I, for one, would be completely in favor of Galladay resting up just one more week and taking his time getting back to full health instead of suiting up this week. That would be a big deal for this defense and have a huge impact on the game if he wasn't able to go. And really, like, there's no reason to risk any sort of injury. Like, get back to full health, Kenny. We yeah. we love to see you play in week three. Yep. Wish you the best in week three, man. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So, so who's uh, your actual X Factor? Getting back on track. 
my X Factor this week is Swerving Irvin. Tyler Irvin is a weapon for this team, and it's fun to see LaFleur getting him involved. And where many fans really thought that we'd see the Packers add speed in a wide receiver through the draft, we've actually seen the Packers adapt and use Tyler Irvin in some of those ways. So we know Irvin has speed. We know this. And he can stretch a defense. I'm sure he could stretch the defense vertically if they wanted him to do that. But he can also stretch laterally and beat linebackers to the edge. And Andrew referenced this a little bit earlier. So the reason I am picking Irvin this week, other than the fact that he's just so gosh darn fun to watch, the Lions linebackers are not exactly amazing. They have Jamie Collins, who's new to town, playing only a handful of snaps last week. And they have... Jared Davis, who's a former first-round pick, who's largely disappointed. And then they have Jelani Tavai. Tavai was on the field for the most snaps last week and played a pretty poor game. And so there's a factor where the Tavai just may not be very good, and that is interesting by itself. But the reason I think Irvin benefits specifically is Tavai ran a 4.83 40-yard dash at the Combine, and took a pass on most of the agility drills there, including the three cones. So this is going to be someone who is going to really struggle against speed, and I think we'll see Aaron Jones have some success in this game this week if he can get matched up with Tavai. But I think the Packers get creative with Tyler Irvin, and we see him using some of his speed to put some stress on this defense and stretching it out a little bit. And so I'm looking for him to be your X factor here in Week 2 against the Lions. And we know Matt LaFleur is going to continue to unveil different parts Parts of his offense as the weeks go by. So I'm super interested to see the way that they use Tyler Irvin this week. If they utilize him more as a true receiving threat, if there's some stuff out of the jet motion to get him the ball in the open field without having to, you know, do the the forward pass or, or the, the handoff. By the way, as a quarterback, Aaron Rodgers got to love that, like, quick little dump pass that he gets credit for all the receiving yards. Yeah, yeah, it's good. It's good stuff. Hey, I'm excited because last week we kind of took care of the Vikings. I know the score at the end wasn't as it didn't represent. I felt like how well the Packers were in control of that game. But I do wonder if there was a lot of stuff that the Packers did hold on to. You mentioned the counters that were kind of being set up. They, they may not, they, they may have just buried in the playbook saying, okay, we don't need to do that. We can save that. So I am excited to see um, some Deguara. I know he may not have been able to practice today, that kind of popped up as a surprise. I'm excited to see if we get a little bit more Sternberger involved, if we get some Tyler Irvin. Some of those things that I think all those guys could take advantage of a little bit of mismatch against some of these Lions linebackers. It could be fun. Yeah, and you feel like you only saw the surface of what they have prepped for A.J. Dillon. Yeah. Um, so I would definitely expect him to be more involved. We'll see which receivers are active. That'll, that'll be interesting to see if Equinemius makes a, a an appearance and I think you know the Packers have some depth at some some positions like you know tight end and wide receiver and running back that you you might see more um, matchup specific activations than than we typically have in the past where you, yep. you, you had certain players always active out of necessity because um, they were clearly superior to the other guys on the roster so um, all stuff 
that I'm really excited about. It's it's amazing how quickly this offseason went by. It's amazing how quickly even this week went by. And we're already going to be able to uh, talk a little bit more Packers football. So uh, thanks for being with us. But that is all the time that we have today. This has been the Packaday Podcast. You can find Kyle on Twitter at Packer underscore Pundit. And you can find me at Andrew Mertig. Please remember to also follow at Packaday Podcast. You can subscribe and rate the podcast if you like what we're doing. You can catch Kyle and myself every single Friday throughout the season. And we'll be back next week talking key matchups and X-Factors as we prep for the Week 3 game with the New Orleans Saints. That's a scary matchup. Uh, (laughs) Thanks for listening. And as always, remember... Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.